Greetings, Rocky River United Methodist Church and uh, friends and country folk. This is uh, Paul, and here with Stephen. As we're hi, everyone. Thanks for saying hi, to Stephen. Good to know you're on board with us. We're we're uh, getting ready to um, enter into week two of our uh, Advent season and and week two of our Advent podcast series. And for those who were with us last week, you already kind of know what our focus is this Advent. We decided to kind of lighten things up a bit, um, although I don't know if it'll feel that way at the end of this podcast. But it, the intent, <laughs> though, was to uh, kind of have some fun and, and engage some Christmas media, Christmas uh, movies, shows, and such. Um, and Mainly uh, just movies, though, but... Yeah, m- mostly just movies. Or we weren't really sure what to call a couple of these things because they're not really full-length movies, but they're not shows. So um, short films. Kind short of. films. I think that was maybe before our time, Stephen. They did, had right. this thing where they just had these <laughs> specials. Um, you don't see that very often. The world's falling apart. It really it, is. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, last week we talked about Charlie Brown Christmas and uh, really went uh, very much in depth uh, into our assessment of, of Charlie Brown and his, his friends and their whole uh, Christmas experience and uh, the the play and such. I uh, had a lot of fun with that. This week we're uh, going to go a different direction and uh, talk about how the Grinch stole Christmas. So... We're going to be hanging out with uh, Dr. Seuss, uh, Ted Geisel, I believe it's pronounced. Is that is that uh, your uh, recollection, Stephen? Yeah, I think Ted Geisel. Is, yeah, uh, so. is his real name. Went by Dr. Seuss. Uh, so hanging out in, in Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Uh, this is a, a 1966. Once again, we established not a movie, not a show, but a special that was uh, put out on TV in 1966 based on uh, Seuss's 1957 book uh, by the same name. And uh, it was voiced by uh, Boris Karloff. Uh, was the the gentleman who voiced uh, the Grinch and the narrator in this uh, special. And I I know uh, for folks perhaps um, older than myself, that name probably means more to you, as I I believe he did a lot of other stuff other than just the the Grinch. Um, But uh, he's he's well-known for this, amongst other things. And uh, Stephen and I were just discussing the other day how interesting it is that all of these these epic uh, Christmas specials and movies all seem to come out in the 60s and, and right, yeah. within three or four years of each other. Yep. Let's see. We have 64, Rudolph came out. 65, Charlie Brown's Christmas came out. And then 69, Frosty the Snowman came out. And then, of course, 66, The Grinch came out. So, yeah, the 60s was a rocking time for short film Christmas kids films. Yeah, so. I guess, amongst other things. There's a lot going on in the <laughs> 60s, but who, who would have known that the 60s have done so much to enhance our Christmas, <laughs> Christmas experience, experience yeah. each year. Uh, so thank you to those who brought us <laughs> the 60s and sponsored these these shows and such, because uh, it gives us something to talk about on our podcast right. here in, in 2020. And uh, these each of these films have really en- enriched uh, the lives of many people in different ways. And, uh, of course, we're going to start to hone in on on the Grinch today, which is an interesting topic. Uh, Stephen, you want to offer maybe some general impressions? What's uh, been your experience of the Grinch? Yeah, I, I think um, it falls in line with all the other great short Christian films that came out in the 60s. And um, like Charlie Brown, it's a timeless message. Um, um, also similar to Charlie Brown, it's a movie that's really funny, has a lot of sarcasm. 
a lot of funny creative words that fits the Dr. Seuss theme, his way of thoughts, um, really funny creative gadgets and things that the kids were playing with and toys. And so I, I just think it's a, and the message of course is um, obviously timeless and it, it's a message that still speaks to our Christmas experience today. So uh, yeah, my general impressions, it's, it really holds up. Um, and it's just always fun to watch it too when I'm older. I mean, you see it when you're young and then when you watch it when you're older, you kind of have a different um, take on it. And uh, so you part nostalgia, part um, now as a parent, you see it differently. But yeah, kind of what were your general impressions? Well, I think uh, I align largely with yours. Uh, you know, we talk about, I guess, uh, movies and shows that are, that are funny, that, that, that are fun, that are comical. Um, I guess I would dub Dr. Seuss's stuff as uh, as being silly. I, right. I, I would prefer the word silly, yeah. and I like things that are silly, Stephen. I like <laughs> I like things because I, I I would almost prefer silly to funny because it, to me it's just it's more creative uh, at its core, and yeah. it's it can actually be a little bit more fun. So I, I love Dr. Seuss books for that reason. Uh, his creativity, of course, was off the scale. The general yeah. uh, silliness factor. He was a a master. At at uh, using the English language to, to communicate yep. things, uh, mixing up word order, um, and even yep. creating words at times. That creating weird creatures too. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, what is this? Right, right. <laughs> and yeah, and you, know, you look at them, you don't know. Like usually, you could say, "Oh, this is supposed to be some kind of a bear or some, you know, right. kind of a cat," but I, I don't know who yeah. or what the these creatures are. They're just creatures, and <laughs> and they do their things. Uh, but somehow, magically, through the stories about these creatures, Dr. Seuss was able to communicate these really in-depth yep. messages. Right. And a lot of it was like uh, kind of commentary on things that were going on right. in the world. And right. of course, kids reading it really have no idea that they're right. being, I don't want to use the word brainwashed. I don't think that was his <laughs> intent, but he was like subliminal right. like messaging, right? right? Yeah. Uh, he was a great, great at it. And and like you said, the message uh, is a, a story of transformation. People love right. stories of transformation, particularly people that you know go from a bad character to a good character. Right. Not too many people enjoy the, the opposite as much. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm a big Seuss fan, and I, I love this uh, film and the story behind it. Um, what what are your uh, like thinking through the story itself? Is there a portion of the story or a scene that stands out to you? Uh, yeah, several scenes. Um, let's see. Probably my favorite. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes is the Grinch at the end singing with the villagers of Whoville. Um, <laughs> I think it's that's always. Uh, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten more of a, I don't know, more of a sensitive heart. Maybe when I was young, I was always trying to be the tough guy. Now, I don't, there's no value just trying to be the tough guy. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah. going to happen. So. <laughs> so, right. You've settled into reality. <laughs> I've settled it, yeah. yeah maybe nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's just having daughters now, and I'm the only guy in the house now. Um, even even our fish are female, so um, <laughs> maybe I just got more sensitive. No, but I think let's watching him sing and just kind of like wraps it up really well. Um, I say also the scenes of him stealing Christmas is pretty iconic. Mm. Um, again, it's funny slash silly to watch. You know, funny is not it's not a good word, but silly. It's really <laughs> much <silly>. better, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then of course the main that main song about the Grinch that plays in the background. Um, oh. It's just such an iconic song now. It's 
basically a Christmas carol now. Um, we should probably. You think we maybe we should put in the hymnals? You think as we should? Christian, yeah, yeah, we yeah. might take a look at right. the content, make sure it's <laughs> suitable. But uh, you know, people definitely enjoy it. Yeah, uh, right. it's it's uh, the lyrics are timeless. Right, and, uh, it's it's good stuff. And then, um, what kind of scenes stuck out to you? Well, I, I like. Um, so you know, I thought about it. There's really only like three main characters in the story, right? You got sure. the Grinch. You got Max, um, right. the dog, poor, right. uh, poor, poor, <laughs> poor, poor dog. dog yeah. And then, you know, of all the Who's, the only one we, we really meet on a personal level is, is Cindy Lou. Right. Who? Is it Cindy, is Cindy Lou her first name? Her middle I think name? It's Cindy Lou. Cindy Lou Who? Who? <clears throat> it's Cindy Lou. You keep saying Who. It's Cindy Lou. Who? Who? Cindy Lou. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who's who's on first? Yeah, Cindy. I like I like Cindy Lou Who, um, <laughs> and actually I, I I love the scene at the end. Of course, everybody loves the scene where everything culminates in, into this warm fuzzy experience at the end of movies like this. But uh, I enjoy the scene with Cindy Lou Who. If you if you remember, uh, the Grinch is stealing Christmas in, in Cindy Lou uh, Who's home, and and he's stuffed everything up the chimney, and then the one ornament or something rolls down the hall. And and, and and she pops her eyelids open. All of a sudden, she's awake. She comes out. But I, I I'm intrigued by it because, you know, I think that it's in that moment. And and I guess this is. I was gonna say I'm sorry for going too deep, but that's kind of why we're doing this, isn't it? <laughs> right. it, it? It shows to me the Grinch's character. There's potential in that scene to me for the Grinch because, you know, if he were really rotten to the core. Like, there right. would have been no reason to try to protect the innocence of Cindy sure. Lou Who. Like, he sure. could have just said, well, you know, she could have said, what are you doing, Santa? And he could have, he could have said, I'm stealing Christmas, and, uh, you know, everything is hopeless, and right. go back to bed. But right. yeah, but he didn't. He, he tried to explain what he was doing in a reasonable way so that at least in that moment, he didn't have to see her distraught. Maybe it was so she wouldn't, you know, Wake raise the alarm. Up. Yeah, I, yeah, right. That's it. <laughs> but I, I choose not to, cho- to to see it that way. That, that uh, the Grinch really didn't want to see her upset, and disappointed. Right. Uh, maybe I'm being naive, but I, I love that scene and uh, kind of digging deep into it. Um, so I, I, I'm trying, always trying to find something redeemable in in characters yeah. like the Grinch, even early in the movies. But yeah. uh, speaking of that, like we're looking for kind of Christian themes and and things that at least can parallel. Our our Christian understanding right. of Christmas. What do you see that uh, that fits that bill? See? Right. Yeah, I think um, there's a strong Christian message here. Now, the film wasn't written to share uh, an explicit Christian message, but it certainly has Christian undertones. Whether Dr. Seuss knew it or not, um, so there's several here. And one of them, I think, is the importance of community or the body versus. Um, individualism or just having like fortresses of solitude <laughs> which kind of the Grinch had on the top of the mountain mm-hmm. um, and then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 um, verse 27 we, that we are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part of it and the community was able and the woo woo <laughs> the woohoos <laughs> who whoville was able to survive Christmas because they had each other and they're aware of the importance of having each other. Mm. Um, what was good, um, so that was good for them to to share that together and the joy of the community and the support they had from one another. 
Um, it, it is impossible to have that community and support living alone on a mountain. <laughs> um, and I think when the Grinch saw that, um, he wanted to be a part of what was going on down below. And he actually saw just the, I guess, the love that they have for one another that eclipsed just the external gifts and superficial, um, I guess, yeah, superficial gifts and presents and all that sort of stuff. So that, that's one of them. What, what kind of, did you have any there? Yeah, well, I, I mean, you bring up a good point, like the, this image of this, this guy just living up on a mountain by himself, uh, no one but he and his, his dog, right? right? And staring down, uh, constantly watching this, this town that is just full of uh, people that are overflowing with love and, and uh, joy and, and this experience of community and just being on the outs every day, looking in on these people who are, are just loving on each other in, in a powerful way and, and, and these incredible relationships. I think Dr. Seuss is setting up this, this um, you know, our ability to kind of break down the Grinch and how this all started and, and kind of how he became who he was. Uh, obviously, his heart was a few sizes too small, but uh, you know it certainly didn't help. Couldn't have helped that he was he he lived on this perch and he just watched these people experiencing yeah. something that he could never have, right. and and he just. I think you have two choices. You can either say I I, I see what they have and I'm uh, intrigued by it and I'm jealous and I want to get it, or you can say I see what they have and you can you can judge them. You can begin to tear them down and right. say what they have is is worthless and yeah. uh, it's it's just angers me to even have to watch it. And I think obviously he went that route right. with it. Um, so yeah, obviously all that all that sets up this redemption for the Grinch, which right. is in itself kind of a Christian theme. But like right. you said, uh, Dr. Seuss's intent was not no. to write a Christian uh, no. film, to create a Christian film, and we've kind of seen that with with Charlie Brown and now this. And and uh, if you've we've already uh, started to look ahead at the the film for next week. Um, you know, I don't know about this concept of these producers trying to trying to balance. You know, do we put yeah. Christian themes in these movies? Do we not? Yeah. It just speaks to kind of the, the wrestling match in our society yeah. about putting this stuff out there. Which I guess it is a Christian holiday, so you know, I mean, <laughs> you're, I, I, yeah, and, and I just think there's something in the message of Christ, which is I think we've talked about this before, off air. Are we on air? Yeah, off air. <laughs> we talked about. Um, I, I really believe that Christian message is a. I think all humans desire redemption and love and forgiveness and just the core, crux, the core principles of the Christian message. You're going to find in many, many um, stories and many um, themes that you'll see. Um, I think there's a Christian message behind it. Um, just even going back to like resizing of his heart, um, it thinks, makes me think of the passage in Ezekiel where it's like that God wants to give us a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. And that's essentially what the Grinch, the Grinch had a heart of stone towards the people of Whoville. Um, and then when his heart grew three sizes, um, it essentially became a heart of flesh. It was tender, compassionate, and caring, and not, um, not wrapped up in selfishness. And so we, we see that message um, again, just kind of poking its head out, this Christian message um, that we see in the Grinch. So, um, so Paul's been asking all the questions here. I'll ask him one. <laughs> what is your assessment um, of exactly what caused the Grinch to change? 
Well, I think it, I think we've already touched on this a little bit, but I think, like I said, the, the Grinch is watching all of this from up above, and, and he's on the outs. He's on the outside looking in. He's this outcast, and, and uh, I think subconsciously he's, he's jealous, but on the surface all he recognizes is this, this anger and resentment. I don't think he's opposed to, to joy, even from the beginning. He just doesn't realize it. He, right. he just knows he's got to re- react one way or another to what he doesn't have. Uh, right. I'd see it kind of like, um, you know, somebody who's like an avid sports fan, right? And they're, yeah. you know, they have another friend who's not, right. and so they look at them like, uh, you know, they're ridiculous for right. being so obsessed with yeah. watching sports and talking about sports. I think yeah. that was the Grinch, like looking at these people, like, I don't, I just don't get it, right. and I, I don't know why that's so, you know, this stuff makes sense right. to you, why it's so important, why you engage in it, right. or like, uh, you know, a grandparent that tries to figure out why their grandkid is on video games 24-7, <laughs> like, right. like, you know, people on the outside uh, looking in doesn't necessarily mean what they're looking in is always he- looking at from the outside is always healthy but um, th- they're going to have a reaction one right. way or another I think the Grinch just needed to, to see it proven to him to experience that what the who's had was not superficial mm-hmm. we're so quick to, to judge I know I'm, I'm like that too if I haven't experienced something if I no. if I've not been immersed in it if I don't really know people personally who who have been then it's quick I'm, I'm quick to, to say that boy this is ridiculous I don't I don't get it I don't understand what the no. big deal is I think that was the Grinch's assessment but through basically eliminating, like basically he eliminated every reason in his mind that they would be happy, joyful, and acting and living the way they did. And and mm-hmm. by eliminating all of those sources of their joy and finding out that somehow right. the joy still existed, uh, proved to him finally that it wasn't superficial. There was something right. actually real going on right. in this Whoville um, that he didn't have that maybe there was something meaningful to it, right. something legitimate. And I think that's what did it for him. Yeah. Uh, he had to, to have it proven to him. He had to, to live it and experience it for right. himself. Right. Those are all, yeah, those are all excellent points. And it, it's really close to similar to what I had um, thought as well. Um, I believe, yeah, along the same lines what you said, I believe the change, um, what actually caused him to change was the community's joy, celebration, and love for each other, even after all that they had was taken from them. I think this really recalls, for me, a passage, or I guess a, a passage or a scene in Scripture, um, where Paul and Silas um, were singing in the prisons. Um, they had this mm-hmm. type of moment that the who who's had. So they're singing in prison right after they had gotten flogged. They had nothing, and yet they responded with singing hymns. So um, just a, an incredible moment here that Paul and Silas have this really a supernatural experience here that I I, I fully believe it's not capable of that. Uh, we have that within ourselves to just have this moment of praise and singing. I think it's the working of the Holy Spirit that transformed and changed them. Um, and this this would have shocked anyone, uh, you know, in the prisons. Like Paul and Silas just got flogged, severely flogged. This the scriptures say, and now they're singing. Um, so, and also too, when the apostles um, were rejoicing after they left the Sanhedrin. Um, after they got flogged uh, because they were counted worthy of suffering the disgrace of the name of Jesus. Um, so the villagers of Woohoo, Woohoo. <laughs> Why do you say Woohoo? <laughs> the villagers of Whoville. 
<laughs> I think you got Cindy Lou Who. I know, right? Cindy Lou Who yeah, on right. the brain. Yeah. Um, even though the villagers of uh, Whoville, although they had nothing, they're able to celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus anyway. So um, this, again, supernatural moment of that um, joy does not come from um, what we have, which also reminds me of a passage in Luke. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Um, that's what Jesus said, and it's just—it's very true. Um, you can have life without the abundance of pos- possessions, which is really a message that, as Americans we need to hear. You know, it, yeah, possessions is no something doubt. that we always equate with. A good life is a lot of possessions. So, yeah, one of the most memorable lines from the the uh, show, you know, when the Grinch came to the realization he said that uh, maybe christmas doesn't come from a store sure know? right that clearly was his impression right. the whole time right. that everything right. was based on all of these knickknacks and right. traditions and stuff that were created from their possessions exactly he found out otherwise i, I love the reference to paul and silas in, in prison because it it reinforces something else that i picked out in in the grinch story um Grace and, and forgiveness are a theme in this in this story, mm-hmm. and maybe it doesn't jump out at you on a surface, right. but the Grinch can only have his moment of transformation if mm-hmm. the Who's wake up the next sure. morning after experiencing what they have, and they don't come after him. Like in you know point. most other movies, they right. would have like hopped in their little Who vehicles and like <laughs> formed some sort of like posse. They would have run <laughs> run up the mountain, right. found the Grinch and beat him to a pulp or something. Right. Like there would have been a very different ending to the story. But right. but the Grinch can't have his moment if they right. don't continue to represent this this right. like really profound grace right. and and love right. and peace. Um, in that moment when it would have been so easy for them to express right. anger, resentment, even exactly. violence towards the Grinch, right. uh, they chose not to. And so the Grinch is able to have his transformation. Right. Paul and Silas, in the same way, because they um, they they interacted with the jailer right. with grace and peace, and right. they showed the joy that was still in their hearts despite yep. their circumstances when they were singing uh, hymns to the Lord yep. in prison. The jailer was uh, transformed. He, he saw that. He couldn't help but be changed on the inside because of it. And didn't uh, he and like his whole family end up getting baptized or something like that right. in that story? I mean, it's, it's uh, very similar type of an, an account and so it's cool that we can pull these christian mm-hmm. concepts out of yeah. you know dr seuss may not have intended it but no. we got we pulled a fast one on him here we, <laughs> we pulled it out anyway right. uh, but i i love uh spotting those and, and finding them and i think the grinch is a powerful story of redemption yeah, at the end is. of the day uh, i think max plays a role too Right? <laughs> right. What do you think uh, Max does to contribute? Uh, let's see. He, um, <laughs> you don't want to be cruel to your animals, I guess. And uh, Max is loyalty. Max is loyal, <laughs> guess, right? Yeah, know, Max is loyal. Loyal, loyal the whole, maybe loyal to a fault, but fault, he's a dog. Yeah. He's not a right. human being, so it's not uh, his job to set his owner straight. Right. But Max, like he, he just is a steady presence of loyalty and faithfulness yeah. to. To the Grinch, <laughs> and the moment when it's not—it's not, it's not uh, when the film says, "Oh, his heart grew two, three sizes." It's the moment when he changes, 
and you first see it in action, I think they're up on like the edge of a cliff and Max yeah. is like dangling over the edge with this huge sled full of stuff like about to pull him over right. the edge. And all of a sudden it, it hits the Grinch that his dog, who he didn't think he cared about until this moment, right. is about to plunge to his death. And he yeah. he quickly jumps into action and rescue, rescues Max. So Max is the first benefactor of the Grinch's transformation, right. which I think is really cool. Right. Yeah, that's, that's really... I, I, I agree with that. And I also like what you said about the uh, Whoville. I never thought of it that perspective that they welcomed him into the community. And that's a really good example for the church as well. I just think of welcoming people into the community of the church, um, people who may even were atheists or another religion who are even maybe hated the church or, or even like Paul persecuted the church, you know, but the church welcomed Paul in. I mean, granted, uh, they needed a little bit of convincing, but um, Paul was, was granted, um, was welcomed into the church. All right, so our last question here, how does this apply to life in general, especially to um, this Christmas, which we've kind of, you know, we've kind of answered it roundabout way, but um, yeah, how does, how do you think this applies to life in general? Well, you started, of course, touching on what it means for us as a church and, um, you know, the, the church's witness in the world has to be pure. Uh, it has to be one of grace, one of peace, and one of love, but it can't just be situational. Like, yeah. <laughs> in every circumstance, for everybody, we have to represent everything that the who is represented in this story. Um, we can't just allow our emotions to get the better of us or our frustration. So we have to represent really the same thing that they represented, except that the, the missing piece in the story, of course, is that all of their peace and love and grace was founded on a, a belief in Jesus Christ. Right. I, you know, I can only assume, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I know that for us, anyhow, that's that's the case. And uh, so our witness has to be pure, and especially you know in the midst of Christmas, and especially right now in the, the yeah. pandemic, uh, we have to recognize what the world needs. The world yeah. needs, the world is living a Grinch's life right now, right? Like, like uh, they're they feel trapped, they feel isolated, uh, they yeah. feel left out, they feel like there's no hope. Obviously, circumstances are a bit different, but. The church somehow, some way, has to continue to be a beacon, and right. um, and not react when the Grinches of the world like yeah. uh, start coming and persecuting us. And you know, it's it's really um, right. once again a perfect parallel to right. to what can happen, does happen in the church, right. and how we need to respond. Right. Even if uh, Ted Geisel didn't intend it that way, right. but the church has to stay true to who we are. We have to understand who we are, and we have to to not fluctuate. Right. Wait, it's right. got to be consistent. All right. Yeah, and that makes me actually think about it this way too. Like, hypothetically, what if you know? Um, <laughs> this is kind of the fear of some people, anyways. But what if they said like um, they took our? We had no church building. Like we had mm. no hymnals. We had no piano. We had no organ. We had no um, pews to sit in. We had no pulpits. Like, what if you take all that stuff away? Are we still able to worship Christ and and praise Him and sing His praises? You know that that's kind of essentially what happened. Yep, like yep. He took everything away, but they were still able able to worship. And, you know that's like, are we able as a church? Like, does it go beyond the building? Does it go beyond the hymn, the hymnals, and and all this stuff that we have? 
which is 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 important. It's not to say take away from its importance, mm-hmm. um, but it's the relationship with Christ. It's our community together, which rises above all those other things, you know. And and there are many. To be a matter of fact, there are many church communities right now that don't have the building or the hymnals or the pews and right. churches that are functioning out of house groups and mud huts and all these different places. <laughs> so, like, there are churches right now functioning that way. And so we have to ask that question of our own church: Are we um, do we have that? that genuine heart um, towards the Lord. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a really great, strong message that you that we can pull from this film. So I guess I <laughs> we probably together dug out more about this film than um, ever thought. And even <laughs> we expected, Yeah, right? that we yeah. expected. Yeah. So I love um, your, your last point. Like, I'm not – not advocating for anybody to come and ransack the right, church yeah, like exactly. on Christmas Eve night or anything, <laughs> but but uh, you know at the end of the day we, we're so blessed to have yeah. the building right. and to have all the resources that we have because hopefully their ultimate purpose is to facilitate right. more meaningful ministry, which I think right. was the case for the Who's their their mm-hmm. stuff that they got from the store was to facilitate. An experience that was really rooted in internally. Right, um, right. It was all just kind of the equipment that they needed to facilitate that, but they clearly didn't need nope. it. They, they proved that they didn't need it. Exactly. And sometimes I think um, it, it can even be a hindrance if right. we could focus on it too much. So right. I would love to think that. Uh, you know, maybe we would have to stand six feet apart, and yep. uh, we wouldn't be able to actually sing. <laughs> It'd look a little different <laughs> right, for us this yeah. year. But if if our church and all of our resources and and material blessings were to disappear overnight, the church would still be the church. We right. we would still uh, function um, just based on our our internal drive to uh, be Christ in right. in our community. Right. And in many ways, it might even become more pure uh, exactly. in a sense because right. we wouldn't be getting distracted as much, and and that's why we you know we continue to feel blessed by the resources we have and, and make uh, the most of them and, and apply them uh, as good stewards. But um, but I think we hopefully we as a church know that uh, who we are is rooted in something yeah. much deeper than that, especially during Christmas time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree with that. Really good. So I want to, we want to thank everyone for um, listening to this podcast, and um, it's been a lot of fun. Just you know, I've never looked at the grandeur Charlie Brown um, from these perspectives, but it's been helpful, and hopefully, it's been helpful for you too. Um, and uh, again, we thank you so much for listening and just being a part of this journey that started way back in March. Yeah. So we're actually coming up on on a year here. Well, not too soon, but in a couple months, which is uh, really um, speaks for itself, really. And I think all of us have this mindset. We never thought that things would change for so long. Um, But, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Things will change eventually. I'm thinking by this time next year, we'll (laughs) <laughs> things will be different um so yeah it's and uh and also too we want to make sure that everyone goes on the website checks for updates um, with the church and um, with the things going on in the community with the virus and just stay on the website or our facebook page as well and get the latest updates with um, the church and everything that's going on so Stephen, um, can you send us out with a quick rendition of the susi and him Fahu fores, dahu dores, in typical who 
Lou Huian style? <laughs> uh, no, you do not want me to sing any. Oh, okay. Wahoo. Wah- is it Wahoo? <laughs> I, I looked it up. It's Fahoo Fores Dahoo Dores. Yeah. That would, uh, that would be good. Maybe we can do an, an after show. And we'll and just, <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah, if you see. stick around long enough, there'll <laughs> right. be some blank silent space, <laughs> right. and then we'll come back with a secret track, like an added track. Or maybe we'll ask uh, Matthew Dolan to include that <laughs> yes. in his next musical rendition right. exactly. on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought it was worth a shot. Yeah. Well, it's not working with me. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a – well, we'll talk to you again next week, and then we'll wish you a great holiday. <laughs> All right. See ya. <laughs>